see I'm bringing track off my 1978 solo record. It's called
Hey. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? You staying dry? Good. Huh? Yeah, it's raining a lot, though. Freaking coming down over here. Yeah? Wow. Yep. You having floods? Uh, yeah, a lot of the streets are flooded. We get we get texts on our phones that say, like, don't leave your house because of floods. Yeah. But there's no fucking floods anywhere. It's like they're trying <laughs> to lock us down, but there's no reason for it, you know? Uh, yeah, it's not as bad. I, I get texts here, but it's not that bad. I mean, the inter, some of the intersections are flooded. That's about it. Yeah. Here it's like oh. puddles, you know? Or maybe yeah. like one lane will have half of it will have some water, you know, for a stretch. Uh-huh. But rarely is it even like that. It's crazy, man. Anyway, the the night we went to uh, to see Ace, um, which we're talking about today, uh, was the worst of all the flooding. You know, we, that's when we got an alert on the phone and... Um, and it was pretty bad driving in the rain at night. It was mm-hmm. it was like a half hour drive to Agora Hills from Sherman Oaks, and it was it was pretty pretty scary once we got there too because it was so dark. Like it's kind of uh-huh. in a rural area, and it's like totally dark and raining really hard, and I was kind of lost because my uh, GPS, whatever, not my GPS, but the Apple Siri was telling me to go in circles, and I was like, "This is not the way." I know it's not the way. But anyway, we got there; it was fine, but it was fucking raining hard, man. <laughs> yeah, he even said at the end, "Don't get caught in the flood." Yeah, because when we when we came out, it was like the parking lot had like a foot of water. Damn. But even that, cars were able to drive through it. It wasn't like stay uh-huh. home, you know. <laughs> But yeah, he was talking about it a lot, and he was even talking about it at the whiskey show. He was like, oh, you know, right. I played, I played at Great Hills the Canyon, like it, it was like flooding. Or <laughs> he's like, I can't believe anybody showed up. I hope everybody got home okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I was like, wow, he's still talking about us. Oh, wow. <laughs> Two nights later, <laughs> three nights later, whatever. But um, anyway, how's it going? Everything's pretty good, man. Pretty good. Yeah. Did yeah. you get all your all your tooth stuff figured out? Sinus stuff. Being sick, you mean? Yeah, because you we both had like in, like I had a tooth yeah. infection, and you had like a sinus infection. Yeah, it took me two rounds of antibiotics to get rid of that. Wow. Yeah. I had never three. Had three rounds? Three rounds, but the only thing that got rid of it was pulling the tooth because it was going to keep coming back. Uh-huh. So uh, I had I, I got a root canal on one tooth, and I had to pull the one right next to it because it was like oh, man. they were both – showing signs that either one could be the problem. So it's like, fuck. Uh-huh. It's like twice as much money, but yeah, they've been telling me that for like two years and I've been ignoring it, but I never had an infection. So I said, when uh-huh. it starts to hurt, I'll do it. And man, when it started to hurt, it was like all in one day, just like, bam, it wasn't like a gradual kind of, wow. 
<laughs> you know, curve toward hurt pain. It was like uh-huh. one night I was just like intense pain. It's horrible. Anyway, with no warning. Damn it. Yeah. Well, I had warning, but it was like there was just no build up to it. It was just uh-huh. like it just decided to bam, hit me all at once. I was like, fuck. That sucks in the middle of the night where there's nowhere you can, nothing you can do. Yeah, yeah. Two pain's the worst, dude. It goes right to your brain. Yeah, dude. It's the worst headache I ever had. Wow. It was, it was, worst pain I ever felt for a long period of time, for sure. It was Uh just like, it was, it was crazy. (laughs) For me, I'm really bad with pain anyway. It was like, but I learned to how to control it with, uh, well, the antibiotics did eventually help, but uh-huh. even before that, I was taking a lot of like ibuprofen and, um, yep. and I just knew I couldn't eat on that side at all. And eventually I figured out how to sort of avoid it. But anyway. uh-huh. So you watched the show? Yeah, the whiskey, and uh, I watched pretty much all the the one that you were at the Gory Hills, except for Strange Way. I didn't I didn't know I had the whole show until just a little bit ago, so I was trying to cram it all in. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So we, I've been to this venue before. Uh, I don't know if they have one out by where you are, but this company owns quite a few venues called the canyon or something like that canyon club or something like that well the one i know is called the canyon but i mean they have different clubs a few Uh of them are called the canyon so maybe they could call it that Um, okay but it seems like ace played a bunch of those venues like he made a deal with them or something oh got you Uh and our tickets said like we were like I mean, I bought the tickets in December, and there was only four tickets sold. And I was like, I could we could sit anywhere in the whole place. And there's some assigned seating and some just assigned general areas. Uh-huh. Uh, it's very locked down. Like, you kind of have to stand where your ticket says you can stand, even though it's a small little venue. I, I really hate that shit. It's so antithetical to rock and roll to me that you can't just sit where you want. But... Anyway, they have tables, right? And it way it looked like you could sit. It looked like our table was going to be right in front of fucking Ace, and there would be nothing in front of us, you know. Uh huh. But turns out the tables go all the way up to the stage, and our table was not the front table. So they must have Uh had some VIP tables or something. Uh huh. Next to ours, but we were still really close. Like we were, you know, maybe fifteen, twenty feet away from them. And, uh, and so it was pretty, pretty cool to be that close. Did you get any picks? He threw a lot of picks out. Dude, only one pick went by me and I could have caught it, but I'm such a horrible fucking athlete. I stick my hand up and I'm nowhere near it. You know, it went right <laughs> by me. <laughs> such an idiot. <laughs> But I can't believe I didn't get one because he kept throwing them out. Now there's a chance that he threw so many out that there may have been some on the floor. Right. Um, 
I don't know, but I, when we saw Cheap Trick, I think we got we found a pick or two afterwards cause at that venue. Uh-huh. Me and uh-huh. my old drummer. But um, I, yeah, I didn't get one. <laughs> it's like he threw out like two hundred picks dude, or so. So many, dude. <laughs> and then he was he was just strumming with his fingers sometimes when he because he didn't have a pick. Yeah, like, like he he'd throw one out and then he right. keep going. He doesn't time it right. He doesn't. <laughs> He just like it just he does it whenever he wants and he's like, Oh fuck, how am I gonna hit this next chord? <laughs> <laughs> I love that stuff that happens. I love that. I was tripping out <laughs> on his picking hand too, the way he comes way off the guitar with it. Yeah. Almost like he yeah. almost like he's shooing like he's shooing a fly away or something. I know, dude. His technique is horrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's, his vi- he's still got that vibrato. <laughs> what? He's still got the vibrato in the left hand. Yeah. You know, he bends a, he bends a little sharp sometimes, but that wow, 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 he's still got that. Yeah, he did some cool stuff. I mean, he, you know, there, there's there's some, like, I don't know what song the, it is where he bends, like, in about four different places up the neck. That's hard to do. And that takes oh practice. wow that's wow like, wow wow and not miss. Yeah, like that's you know uh, that's that's not a lazy guitar player's move. Like that takes some energy, uh-huh. and some practice, and even even if you've been playing for fifty years. Yeah. How funny is it at that whiskey show that in the middle of that guitar solo that sounds like a, like worse than we played when we were ten years old. Oh, in I the know. middle of it. He goes up to the mic and he goes, I've been playing guitar for 50 fucking years. Never took, never had a lesson. Then he starts jamming again. <laughs> you know what? You know what I used to do when like, when, when some of my, some of my friends would tell one of their friends, Hey, I know this guy, he plays guitar. Uh-huh. You know, he's, he's pretty good. You should check him out. So they would bring the, one of their friends over or whatever. Right. And, uh-huh. uh, so they go, hey, oh, oh yeah, you play guitar, yeah, oh yeah, let me hear something, and I would, I would pick up the guitar, and I would look straight at their face, and I would go, and I just look at their face, and I watch their face just go like from confusion to, oh, do I. Do I say that was good? And they would just cut and I'd stop and I'd look at them like, what do you think? And they would just like be quiet for a second and they would go, it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I'd start laughing. I go, dude, I'm just kidding. And then, the, but that's how, with that playing, it reminds me, I used to do that as a joke to like trip people out. <laughs> it, <laughs> it reminded me of that. Just like, just that cat I don't- scratch. Yeah, I don't. I I really don't want to rip on Ace too much because I feel I know. bad. Like I know, dude. I don't know what the fuck it is about him. I mean, I heard him on Steve Jones' show, Jones's jukebox, like ten years ago, uh, and they jammed together, and it sounded horrible, dude. Like, <laughs> like God, he's got moments where he shines. No. Well, the thing you know? is, it's like how 
I think he's able to work out really cool solos. I think he has a gift for melody. He writes those songs. Those songs are fucking good. And I, know. I think he has a gift for melody, but I don't think he knows how to like improvise and jam. And I don't think he ever really did much with technique. And, and it's okay. Like in the yeah. context of his songs, even though he's playing sloppy right now, it's still cool to me. Like it's yeah. more like Johnny Thunders or something. Like it's really. I don't know. I mean, he's still hitting the notes on the record, and mm-hmm. for the most part, and I don't know. Oh, dude, I, I really he was killing it. it he was killing it, killing it on the cold gin. Yeah. The, what I watched, um, the cold gin solo. Yeah, he was nailing it. Yeah, and Deuce, Deuce too. Deuce was fucking that. Well, that's the last song in the set, but <laughs> yeah. when he played Deuce, I was I had tears in my eyes, man, because I was yeah. standing right in front of him, and he was aimed his guitar toward me, not on purpose, but like his guitar uh-huh. was pointed toward me, and he was playing that iconic solo, and I was just like thinking about like the ten year old me wow. standing ten feet away from him, like how much I love that guy as a kid. Like, you know, that's I mean, awesome. You got to experience that. It was, it was, I was, that was a deep moment for me. Like I was worth it. This guy, you know? Yeah. I don't mean to say bad things about him. I mean, it is what it is. Like we all have our He's strength. 71 not a good years improviser old. either, man. Me neither. He's 71 years old. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to be doing 20 years from now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, my hands are falling apart, man. Like my my thumb on my right hand from playing classical, I think, and typing because I type all fucking day long and oh, doing no. that space bar with my thumb, I think has destroyed it. I, I it feels like arthritis, but I kind of have it in both fingers, so I'm trying to like never use my thumb for the space bar. I think that's a a bad thing to do. I think Can you palm mute? Palm so now mute the I space use, bar. Well, I'm using my index finger now on the space bar. See if you can palm mute it like you're playing a muted arpeggio. I'd have to practice that. I've gotten used <laughs> to the to the yeah. uh, to the index finger, but yeah. Damn it, that's too bad. I know, right? Like, who who would have thought I'd have fucking permanent damage from working in an office? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Hey, you can get hurt just getting out of bed, man. Well, I never had any pain from playing guitar, though. Like, I know people who yeah. did, you know, like my classical guitar oh. teacher. And, uh, uh, well, a lot of classical guitarists have had had to stop playing because major hand pain in the right hand. I never had. Didn't that. Steve Vai fuck up his left hand by fretting some chord for, he was holding some chord for too long or something? Did you know. ever hear that? Yeah. It makes sense. To where, where, I could yeah, to that. where he had to... Uh, he couldn't. There, I watched a video of him explaining it, and he couldn't, um, like, fret for a while. He had to just like kind of. He could only play certain ways, like barring shit. I don't, yeah. Trip it out. Yeah, it's pretty trippy. What'd you think of those other guys singing? I, I mean, it wasn't good. perfect, but it was good. Yeah, they sounded kind of like Paul and Gene. Yeah, he used to. I get mixed up with the drummers, but he used to have a drummer sing "Love Gun" when uh-huh. I first saw him, and it was like 
It was awesome. It was like so great. To, I wished he would have done Love Gun, but I I really enjoyed all the Kiss songs he played. Um, yeah. Which he had started out with Parasite. If we want to go through the set list, and yeah. it seems like he's doing the same songs, but he's mixing up the order in, on different nights. And it's oh, probably okay. because of YouTube. Because imagine knowing that your concert's going to be on YouTube, but you know, two hours after you get done. Right. Right. That's going to yeah. be hard, man. <laughs> yeah, and I'm then sure if you're working out a little bit. Yeah, if you're working out new, if you like work out new material while mm. you're on the while you're touring or whatever, to then you don't get to work it out and it be a surprise like when you finally do record it or whatever because yeah. everything's changed. Everything's changed. You know, it's immediately going to be online. I know it's crazy. I kind of yeah. wish that they would not do that because, like, you know, we can get sick of the we can already know the show, see the show before we go to the show. Like that's, yeah, there's no support. I don't do it. I don't want to do it. Oh, you didn't do that. I was going to ask you if you no, did No, but Ashley did. My girlfriend did. She, she was watching, uh, lots of shows. <laughs> uh-huh. Like you're going to get sick. Get of ready. It. I said, stop watching the show. So, um, and that's the main reason I went. Cause she's been getting really getting into ACE and I, I'd seen him twice already. First time I saw him was the Riper room. And um, that was, how many years ago? That was in two thousand eight or nine. Wow! And and, and it how... was incredible. And I was like in tears, you know. And so then I saw him in like two thousand sixteen or something uh-huh. at the Saban Theater, which is owned by the, I think the same company. And I think I'm not sure, but I think and that was like it was okay. I didn't really uh-huh. dig it that much. I was kind of far back. That might be why. And then this show, we were so close. It was similar to the Viper Room, where it was just so small. You can't help but be close, you know? Uh-huh. Um, it was it was really, really good. I thought, to me, he came out, I thought he looked great. He 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 looked very rock and roll. He had, like, leather pants, and he had uh-huh. a leather jacket, and he had his Les Paul. And fingernails. <laughs> yeah. He just looked cool. Like I was like, this guy is fucking the epitome of rock and roll to me. Like, uh-huh. He's he's not the same character he used to be, but he looks cool. You know, he looks right. cool. He doesn't always look cool, but to me that night he looked cool. Like I, I thought he, I, I just thought it was perfect. You know, as good uh-huh. as he could probably ever do. But there were some really funny moments. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me about some. Well, we could go through the songs too. Like Parasite, okay. he came out and started that riff, and it was just like, like right away I could tell that riff is so great, but I could tell he was really laid back, like dun 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 dun, like he was behind the drums, you know. Uh huh. And that's how he played the whole time, and I never remember him being that way, but I even right. I would have noticed, but it seemed like he was way lethargic, you know? Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> that was his playing and it was in his singing and it was in his talking and in some of his moves and stuff. Like we're talking about the picks. Like, uh-huh. I don't know. It just seemed like he was a little like slow. Right. Um, and I don't know what that is. Like, you know, he used to be an alcoholic. I don't know if he's drinking. I don't know if he's like taking some kind of prescription drugs. I don't know if 
he's just slowing down. He's just getting old. Maybe he had a stroke or something. I don't know, man. I mean, it's like it's it worked though because his it's you know rock and roll. You can play rock and roll that way. It's like Keith Richards, you know, like it's uh-huh. laid back, um, and it's kind of cool. So it it was weird. It was like borderline too much, but it was kind of like okay, you know. Because right. my thing is I rush. Like, you know, we talked about Randy Rhodes rushing. I, I rush. I'm horrible, man. I mean, when I was in the studio with this guy, Steve, earlier this last, late at the end of last year, for we worked for like two months together, you know, a couple of nights a week. And uh, it was really, I, I was able to do it. I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. I thought I was going to have to like, because I knew he was going to be really hard on me about my tempo. Uh-huh. Not tempo, but my my rushing and you know, and he was, but he would just say, "Do it again, do it again, do it again," and I would just concentrate really hard, and I was able to get good takes where I wasn't rushing. But I can't matching up with the drums easily, huh? Matching up with the drums. Yeah, I mean, I could sit there and play with drums, and when I go look at the track, it's it's ahead a little bit, you know. Wow. And, wow. and I'm getting to a point where I can hear it now and it drives me nuts. And I just have never practiced enough to a metronome, you know? Yeah. And rhythm is, it rhythm is with, kind of hard sometimes. Yeah, it happens with classical guitarists, like, um, because they're used to playing with no no groove. They just, like, are, they're their own metronome. Right. So they do rubato, you know how it is with classical guitar. Yeah. So you kind of you're okay with like slowing down, speeding up as you feel it and stuff. And so, but now I'm way more aware of it than I used to be. I mean, that that's something I should have worked on in high school, you know, and I never did. Well, if you weren't aware of it, yeah. Yeah. But I'd rather have Ace's problem than my problem, actually, because playing playing lazy sounds cool, but rushing it just sounds like shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. It sounds like shit. But anyway, so um, he he did Parasite. He sang it. It was fucking great. And then he did three songs in a row from uh, the solo album. Uh-huh. So I'd love to do a show on sometime. That solo album is like the most amazing thing in my life <laughs> that ever happened, <laughs> music-wise. Uh, it's the Kiss solo album? Yeah, the first solo album. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, so he played Snowblind, Speaking Back to My Baby, the drummer sang it, and then Rip It right. Out. Then he played Rock Soldiers. Did you see his Rock Soldiers? Yeah. I, it's, you know, it is for you. It's a great song. I love it. And, you know, I remember when he came back and did that album, you know, without makeup. And I was really pretty into it at the time, you know, uh-huh. um, but I had stopped listening to kiss, you know, like since like junior high, but I really liked that. album. And I started listening to him a little bit. Cause I think about creatures of the night when it came out, but yeah. Um, Rock Soldiers was great, and he does this funny thing where he he's like, um, "What's the devil gonna do now? He's gonna play without an ace in his deck." Right? <laughs> Did you see uh-huh. that? 
No, I remember you heard you telling me that. He was like, so so he does this thing where he's like, what's the devil going to do? Because the whole band stops. And he's like, what's the devil going to do? And everybody's like, play without an ace in his And he's like, you got to do it in unison. And so he takes his hand. And he's like, you got to play without an ace in his deck. He's like, you got it. He's got to play without an ace in his deck. <laughs> The way he, the way he said it, man, it was so hilarious. It was awesome. That's like cool. he was like he was teaching a class or something. You know, uh-huh. that's right, children. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to play without an ace in his neck. Like his, his voice went up right there. It was awesome. <laughs> so he played a song called "Insane," which I'm not too familiar with, but I. Heard it recently uh-huh. off a later out. I think Trouble Walking. Uh, and then the Detroit Rock City, which you heard him screw up on, uh, at the whiskey show. Oh, yeah. His, <laughs> like, he wasn't looking. He wasn't looking, you know, and it's like he didn't even acknowledge that he. I don't know. He just slid up to the wrong. Like, if, he, if you're supposed to start it on the seventh, he slid up to the ninth and just kept playing. Yeah. Yeah, I hit about like four, four or five wrong notes until the other guy. Came I mean, really, some sour notes. And then the other guitar player, <laughs> you could did. see him kind of. The other guitar player just kind of got deflated right then for a second. Yeah, I was watching the other guitar player's face, and he was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, the Randy. Well, that guy's really trying to look like good. Randy Rhodes. Yeah. Yeah. The guy with yeah, the Randy Rhodes hair. Yeah, he's got that. Yeah, and he um, he, he plays a white Les Paul too. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what he played, but I'm watching I mean, right now. He's playing a a sunburst, and uh, he had a cream colored he had a cream colored custom too. Wow. Yeah. Well, he was a great guitarist, and it, you know he he did do some soloing in moments and like. There's, you don't really see it in the whiskey show. Wait, do you see it in the whiskey show? Ace, I don't know. They may have cut these scenes out. No, I think you see some of them. There were like three moments where Ace just goes backstage and comes out with a different T-shirt on. Yeah, like he, the, like he does a costume change. Yeah, and also um, the band plays like a little pieces of music. Yeah. Right, so that's it, where you saw that guy solo. No, I didn't see that guy. Uh, maybe a little bit. He did a yeah. solo. He he soloed a little bit during those uh, interludes, but I don't know that they showed all of them. Okay, I, yeah, I didn't see him solo, but I just seen him do double, you know, dual solos with Ace. But yeah, yeah, yeah. the Agora. He's playing the um, Sunburst, and mm-hmm. at the Whiskey, he was playing the white one. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, and I noticed that like Ace would be gone, and they play like this little piece of music, and then he would come back out and get a different guitar. And... Yeah, like he changed his shirt when he changes guitars. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's sweating or like if he thinks of it as a costume change. Like I don't know what that that is. He didn't seem like he was sweating or anything. But uh, 
I don't want it to seem like I'm making fun of him because I love Ace. I know, me too. He's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> What's the? How was the mix when in you know right there in front of the stage? I fucking loved it. I thought it was great. Uh-huh. We were in front of the amps, so I mean that we could hear the guitar straight through through the amps. Uh-huh. We could hear the vocals. Like I, I thought it was great. I mean, I don't remember not liking it. I just remember loving the, the whole thing. You know. Uh huh. One great thing that they did, and this happens sometimes at venues. It happened, I think, when I was when we went to see Michael Schenker. Uh, yeah. Uh, you and I, and they yeah. played Highway. Yeah, I think he always does this. I think he always plays Highway to Hell before he comes out because he did a your show and a show I saw, um, and it was really loud. So we were standing like right in front of the PA, and and they were blasting. Uh, highway to hell and i was just like this is fucking awesome like just hearing that for some Uh reason in that setting and through those speakers and they did the same thing here they played the entire aerosmith rocks album and it just sounded so good through those speakers at that moment Mm -hmm. i was just like this is like as good as a show right now like i was Uh kind of bummed that ace ace took a while to come out but um I was uh, I was so getting into the sound of that album. I was like, this sounds so fucking great. That's my favorite <laughs> guitar tone is Brad Whitford's on Rocks. Really? How can you tell yeah. me too? Um, I, I think he plays the solo to Last Child. Okay. And then that that tone, you can follow that specific tone, and mm. you know through the album, whatever effect or whatever you know guitar and amp yeah. combo with effect he was using. You know that think about the solo on Last Child. I don't want to get you off topic, but that's no, my favorite ahead. guitar tone. Like if I could just have that tone, one tone, that would be it. Wow. That lead tone, that lead and rhythm tone off the Rocks album. Huh. Yeah. Well, that I never really thought that the album had any sort of sonic, you know, quality or anything. Uh-huh. And I love that album, but that night I was just like, "This sounds so fucking good, man." I mean, my thing about Aerosmith is that what since when we got into them, or when you know you got me into them, I was too young, and I never played an instrument at any you know level. I never played an electric guitar. I didn't really uh-huh. know what they sounded like. I just loved the sound of the band, and. I would not, I still to this day sometimes don't know if I'm hearing guitar or harmonica. Really? Yeah. It's weird. Like it's all like this sound. They make this sound together that I can't discern what it is. And then on top of that, there's Brad and Joe Perry and and I don't know who's playing what. I'm kind of glad I don't. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it happens, Michael, it happens a lot. Shanker also got a weird sound on, um, I don't know how he did it on that album um, where they did the Gary Moore cover, him and Pattinson, yeah. where it sounded like he was he was playing legato, like legato notes, but it sounded like a, almost a slide. Hmm. Remember, I, I emailed you back like, how the hell... What is that? It sounds like a slide, but also they're like, he's fretting. 
Bends. Yeah, it had I a think weird. Some of it is bends. He does those bends where where it sounds like a slide. I but I do think he does play slide sometimes. So I don't know. It's hard to oh. know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like he had a slide on each finger. It sounded it was crazy. I'll send it to you again. But yeah. Okay. So and then what came? Uh, Snowblind. Uh, well, there was Parasite, Snowblind, Speeding Back to My Baby, Rip It Out, which is fucking great. That's one of my favorites. you already tell the story about Speeding Back to My Baby? No. You remember when when you when we called the radio stations? No. I got you're ringing a bell a little bit now, but what happened? So before Ace's album came out, right? Uh-huh. And I was down at your house, and we read in Cream or Circus that one of the songs on Ace's album was called Speeding Back to My Baby, right? Uh, <laughs> and I think we figured that the radio stations had it. Somehow we figured that out. Uh-huh. So, and you know, they never played Kiss. Right. Like KMET, KLS, they would never play Kiss. So we, I called KMET, I think, from your house, from your room, and I said... You know, can you play Ace Fraley speeding back to my baby? And they said, I'll try to get it on. <laughs> right. I remember that. I'll try to get it on. And then you were like, <laughs> did, you thought it was hilarious. They said, get it on, right? So then you call KLOS and you're like, hey, can you play Ace Fraley speeding back to my baby? And then they're like, we don't play Kiss or something like that. And you're like, can you try to get it on? <laughs> <laughs> Uh-uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's fucking hilarious, man. And we thought that was so funny. <laughs> I mean, you were like nine or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I, every time I hear that song, I think of that. And I we had never heard the song, you know, so then the album comes oh, out. Oh, wow. So, but... I don't know, Rip It Out is still my favorite off that album. Oh, I love that one too, yeah. He's and that drummer's only got he's only using one tom. On on his solo album? Or on No, on in the at Agora Hills. At the show, yeah. Yeah. I I think that he's got dude a is my friend's snare floor. friend. Yeah, he's got a I, floor yeah. bass drum, floor tom, single tom. Wow. And he gets some long rolls out of just a floor tom and a single tom. Shit, I I didn't notice that. That'd be hard. I mean, based on hearing it, it sounded like a full drum to me. No, I'm looking at it right now. My friend Anthony knows the drummer for Ace, and he switches around, so I'm not sure this is the guy. Big, tall, bald-headed guy, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So my friend went to see him. He doesn't like Ace, but he went to see him last time he was here uh-huh. for free because he knows the drummer. And uh, I don't know. He, I think he liked it enough, but he was kind of making fun of some of the shit Ace said. <laughs> uh, he he but, just uh, ripped the solo out to fucking speed back to my baby, bro. He just fucking ripped it. Yeah, that was good. That was good. And that riff, and they do the riff like in octaves. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. He was doing low and the other guy was doing the high one. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That was great. Yeah. Um, rip It Out, the solo on Rip It Out. I love that. I, he mm-hmm. loved that. 
so anyway, so Detroit Rock City is where we left off. So that that was cool. I mean, I didn't really like. I, I'm no, you know, singer, singer. So I can't really put the guy down who sang it. But I didn't really fully enjoy that guy singing. That, that was song. the bass player, huh? Yeah. Yeah. He's a good singer, but I mean, it was like. It wasn't as good as the drummer singing Love Gun back in the day. Right. That guy just nailed Paul Stanley's sound good enough to for me to really enjoy it. Uh-huh. Um, the I bass player could sound too good. Sorry. Paul Stanley's just too good. It's hard to, it's hard to do, yeah. do a Paul song justice. Yeah. What were you saying? Uh, the bass player could kind of imitate Gene Simmons pretty good. Oh yeah, singing singing wise, singing like yeah. the back of vocals parts. Or do you no, do a Gene that, song? When he yeah, yeah Detroit Rock. Oh, that's Paul singing Detroit Rock City. Huh? I thought yeah. he, no, he did do a Gene. He did do a Gene song. I thought. I mean, the only one. Well, there's Deuce and Cold Gin. Gene sings those. Parasite, yeah. but Ace sang it. Yeah. Deuce, I don't the, know. the guitar player and the bass player sang it together. It's kind of trippy. Did you notice that? Which one? Deuce. The guitar Deuce? player and the bass player. Yeah, the guitar player and the bass player both sang the lead vocal Ace, together. Ace, Ace sang the lead vocal on Deuce. Well, Did not part of it. Not live while Ace is here. I mean, there's a lot of trading off and stuff. Yeah, towards the end, towards the end yeah. of the song, I noticed that the guitar player and the bass player were were singing, and then um, Ace would just like jump in on the, the. Yeah, that's true. He he's definitely not singing when he doesn't have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, so Detroit Rock City, the the solos and harmonies and stuff were great. Um, on the night to where he didn't screw it up the night that I went to, which you could hear on the, I'll put, a, I'll post a link to the videos so people can check it out. But, okay. um, I think, it, I think the guitars were amazing and it was worth hearing it just to hear those guitar parts and CA's play uh, to me. Um, and then rocket ride was fun. I thought great riff and, mm-hmm. There's only sixteen only sixteen songs that I could watch on YouTube. Really? Of that show? Yeah. I watched. Well, them maybe all. if I if I searched them individually, but I'm looking at like a a, li- a list and it's like sixteen in a row. <clears throat> well, how many are there? I One, two, three, four. I'm looking at Rock Soldiers, Alive, Detroit Rock City, Rock. Well, there's Ride. only fifteen songs on the on the set. Get away, New York groove, shock me, strange ways. There's a cold gin one and two. That's why there's right. an extra one. And deuce. Oh, okay. I just didn't see it before. I'm sorry. Rock oh, it right. Cool. I think it's a playlist okay. that plays through all of them. Um. So he did Rocket Ride. Then he did Getaway, which is a song that Peter sings on Dress to Kill, which I never liked, but I kind of enjoyed it. Uh huh. I like the, the guitar player singing. I think. Yeah. What were you gonna say? I, I I like Getaway, off the Kiss album. Yeah, yeah I always liked it. That's cool. It's all right. I think it's because I didn't hear Dress to Kill till I was already an adult. 
Oh, it doesn't okay. have the same, like all the the songs I never heard don't have the same, they don't carry the same way as when I was a kid right. hearing those songs. Yeah. Um, then he played New York group. Well, then he went and did a costume change and came back and jammed with the band. They went into the, ding, 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 uh, the God of Thunder riff. Ding, ding, da, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, but they didn't play God of Thunder, huh? No, no, because they then, turned it into he, something else. It goes into New York groove because it's the same tempo. Yeah, ding, yeah, ding, 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 and that was okay. I don't know. It's not my favorite song, but it was fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, then comes Shock Me, which was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed, the funny thing about it is that, so the set list is the same as the whiskey, and I can't speak for the other shows because I didn't watch a bunch of them. But it's like he mixed up the songs, but it's the same songs. Uh-huh. He, he tells the same stories before every single one. Yeah, like, like I got electrocuted and yeah, in Lake, up Lakeland, in Florida, insane, huh? Yeah, in Florida. I got electrocuted in Lakeland, Florida. Yeah, yeah. It was fun, but I got a cool song out of it. Yeah, called "Shock Me," something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It's kind of interesting that he, when I saw him at the, um, at the. Uh, the Viper, he said, uh, yeah, I was watching a video of Tommy Thayer. I saw a picture of Tommy Thayer. He's got a lightning bolt going down his leg. Hey, why don't you do something original and shock me? And then they went into <laughs> shock me. And that was cool. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then he does his solo. Now, what shook me out about his solo is he started playing like little pieces of Led Zeppelin songs. I know, dude. I know. And I thought, wow, it's like it's like a drug trip. It's like going to fucking Guitar Center, man. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, he's like fucking. Yeah. And then he started playing. And then he started playing that. The beginning of a uh, uh, ZZ Top song. Oh. Just because it's kind of a cool little breakdown lick. Then he goes up to the mic and he goes, "Any James Bond fans?" And he goes starts going. Play the James Bond theme. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. This thing went on for so long, man. I, I mean, it, I don't know. I don't know. Almost like he shouldn't do a solo. He shouldn't do a solo. Nobody does guitar solos anymore. Nobody fucking cares about that shit. Uh, I don't know. I I love him, but I think that so many people love him that he really thinks he can do no wrong. And he's just mm-hmm. like, fuck it. Like, I could just fucking shit on the stage and people are going to love it. You know? So he just fucking, that's why he can play like shit and go to the mic and go, never had a lesson in 50 years. Because <laughs> <laughs> he said, I've heard stories where people go up to Ace and like, dude, you changed my fucking life, man. I started playing uh-huh. guitar because of you. And he's like, I haven't heard that one before. You know, like he actually says that to people. So 
it's like he's been told that she's been worshipped at such a level that uh-huh. he, uh, I think he's got a very inflated ego, which, you know, it's cool, whatever. I think all those guys in Kiss do, like his girlfriend said on those interviews, uh-huh. that they have egos, like huge egos, because they've been just worshipped worshipped for so many years, you know? Yeah. So they created, but I don't know. I mean, I've seen him do interviews and stuff. Like I was watching him on Stern. There's an old Stern clip where he he goes on and does an interview, and uh, he's fucking cool. You know, he's laughing uh, and joking around, and like he just seems cool. I think I think he's a cool guy, and he seems to get along with his band great. Like you know, they have a lot of uh-huh. back and forth and. He thanked them at the end, and you know, oh, he seems cool. Uh-huh. Just, you can't expect people at that level of fame to be perfect, but I think he's cool. But anyway, yeah, you know, he's got to be funny to hang out with. It's a shoot the shit. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure he will just crack you up. Yeah, yeah. So then they did Strange Ways, which is a Peter. Peter sings it, but Ace wrote it. I don't know. Maybe Peter, maybe maybe they switch off on that one. I can't remember, but I think the beginning at least is Peter. That fucking song was great. Yep, he's wearing a different shirt. He changed to a leopard shirt. <laughs> right, right. Yep. Then he did Cold Gin, which was pretty awesome. And they, at the end, Cold Gin was rocking, dude. Yeah. Cold Gin was rocking. And he sang it, right? It's fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. That's when the and, that's when the show started to, to me started to pick up some fucking steam. Yeah. It, it started to get fucking like tighter and uh yeah, to me. Well, for mm-hmm. sure, you know, then they go into the end of or is it the beginning or the end of Black Diamond? And the slow part and they okay. do the, music, the musical like interlude or whatever, like a solo, but it's really slow. Uh-huh. And um, they just do that part, though. They don't sing any of Black Diamond. And that was fucking awesome, too. So, like, at the end of Cold Gin, they go in. That's why there's a Cold Gin part two on the video. Uh-huh. Um, but it's like Black Diamond, the end of Black Diamond. So that's like the last song he played. Then he came back for an encore, and it was Deuce, and that's all he did. But Deuce was yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, Deuce. And he death. said it's his favorite Kiss song. Right, yeah. That was kind of surprising. Yeah. And he told, he told, uh, there was this, one of those songs, I think it was Deuce, he asked the guitar, he's like, I wrote this song back in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> That's on the first album, isn't it? Yeah, the guy's, he looks at the guitar player, he's like, what year was it? And the guy's like, 1974. He's like, he knows, I don't. Like, how can you not know that it was in the 70s when you think yeah. well, Is it the first album or second album? Maybe he was just like, wasn't thinking. Sometimes I say weird shit too. My wife looks at me and goes like, what are you, what, what are you thinking? Like, <laughs> I, you know that, you know, why you, right. I don't get you sometimes. <laughs> And I go, and I just go, I don't know. It just came out. Fucking. Yeah. 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 That was funny. 
but that was the show and and um i i just i just loved it man i i i didn't think i was gonna love it so much i didn't think i was uh-huh. even, i thought i was gonna be bored you know so I was like he's probably like sadder now than ever and but he was in pretty good shape and he looked 71 good. dude yeah and I don't. He, he you know. looks like he could be sixty-four, sixty-five. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not see. I'm not seeing him up close, but right. It, yeah, and it, it just you know he wears those shades and stuff, and uh-huh. it's like he's got the beard. I'm sure he dyes his hair, so he you know he, he's going to always look the same probably. But yeah. um, it was. Uh, the band is fucking good. Like the drummer's great and the other guitar uh-huh. player is great. And yeah. I overheard. He's been in strange ways. The other yeah. guitar player. Yeah. Yeah. What, what did you say? Oh, it's him. Huh? Seeing strange ways. Not the drummer. Yeah. No, okay. it's the other guitar player. Um. At, at the whiskey show, I could hear these guys talking. I don't know if you heard this. And he's like, "Yeah, my friend used to play guitar with Ace." And he fucking had the same hair as this guy. He wore the same fucking boots. He wore the same fucking uh, uh, flared pants. He's like, this, this is fucked up. Like he was acting like, like they did to his friend what Kiss did to Ace. You know, like dressing him up. Uh huh. <laughs> dressing him up like the last guy. You know. It's kind oh, of interesting. Okay. I don't know if it's true. I have to go look at some old footage i probably won't and that was just somebody in the crowd you could overhear yeah i could overhear this guy saying that on a phone recording yeah yeah oh what a trip you guys were obnoxious it's not a good you can hear a lot like one guy's like i just came i just came oh and then the other guy is like who urinated who urinated on the floor and the other guy goes i did (laughs) yeah and then the phone looks down and there's like a puddle on the ground and probably just water or something but yeah. Yeah, it yeah, sounded like a bunch of fucking college jocks. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I hate the rock and roll scene because it's a lot of that bullshit. Yeah. It's just, it just it's hard for me to deal with it. But anyway, it was fucking fun, man. Much fun. I'm more glad fun you got to fun. experience that. Thanks, and you know he's always coming out, so hopefully he he probably plays somewhere close to you. Yeah, I don't know how close he gets. You know who's coming pretty close to me that I would really like to see is um, Toto is opening up for Journey. Really? Yeah, I mean to go see Steve Lukather and Neil Sean at the same night. Shit. Well, let me say I'm not. I'm not. I don't know much about Steve Lukather, but. I know he's good, but I've, I don't know where I saw Neil Sean recently play some live solos, but that guy's probably one of the best guitar players alive, man. (laughs) Yeah. He's fucking good. Yeah, he's a freaking amazing. Well, Santana, when he was what, 14 or something, 15? I don't know. Probably. I mean, I'm sure you're right. I know yeah, he was with then, Santana first, but yeah, and then I don't. Dude, he didn't go to. I thought he stopped by Montrose for a little bit before he went and did his own after Santana. But there's a good um, uh, Joe Bonamassa interviews him, and it's that's a good interview. 
Wow. That Nerdville, the one I was telling you about? Yeah, yeah. He's got some good, there's some good interviews on there. And they totally, you'd like it. They totally geek out on gear and guitars. Well, I would love to hear the Brad Whitford one because I don't know anything about that guy. Yeah, I'm going to listen to that one probably next. But, uh, you know, that, you know, I got the last call. Now I'm, want, now I'm wanting to get a fucking a Strat and a Twin Reverb. Really? Just just so I can, you know, just so I could to get those kind of sounds too. Yeah, I have the versatility. Yeah, I have a really cheap Strat. Um, my friend fixed that up for me. I don't know. It's probably not even a real Strat. But uh, it sounds like a Fender. I mean, I can... It, it does affect your playing. Like, like if I did get the Hendrix, whatever Hendrix uses, like one of the pickups. Yeah. Like, there's like so many different pickup settings on a Fender. Like, I never had one, so... They're I, just saying, like, usually the on the on the Strats, the pickups are really weak. Right, right. Yeah. And but and the Mexican strats are supposed to be really good. You know the I cheaper think that's Mexican ones. What I have. Yeah. 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 Um but anyway, it, when I start to play with the with the more Hendrixy tone, I start to change how I play. Not that I am as good as Hendrix or anything, but I start to sort of evoke that thing, like I start to feel it and I start to play like that. And um, yeah. It's like one time I played an, an actual like I ha, I play classical guitar and I can fake flamenco stuff you know whatever uh-huh. I can't play flamenco but one time I played an actual flamenco guitar that sounded like the flamenco guitars you hear those guys from Spain play and it's a different sound and it changed how I played completely like all of a sudden I was like shit I can play flamenco <laughs> but I mean uh-huh. I wasn't but I was. It just was so incredible, and I've I've always wanted to buy one of those guitars, but I don't know where to get one that I can afford, you know, uh-huh. to get that sound because it's just such a fucking cool sound. But I I agree with you about it's nice to have that possibility, but yeah. On on the last record I did, I told I told you about the pickups, right? Um, what refresh me? Well, that yellow Les Paul I got has a P ninety. Uh-huh. Right, it has P90 pickups, uh-huh. and I got sold on the idea of P90s from a friend of mine, and I recorded uh, P90 on the left and Humbucker on the right, or vice versa on the, on that last album I did, and I thought that was the way to do it, and um, it just that P90 is so tinny and it's so thin sounding that it sort of affected even the other side. Like I feel like the other Les Paul oh. also uh-huh. sounds almost unlistenable. And maybe it's the way I mic'd it. I don't know, but um, it's now when I hear P90s, I just, I just cringe. Like that guy from Green Day plays P90s and I just cringe when I hear not all his stuff, but there's certain moments where you can really hear the P90-esque uh-huh. sounds coming out of the guitar. And I just fucking hate it. And I, I'm never going to use it again. And I'm not going to use a Strat either because P90 is like in between a humbugger and a Strat. Like as far as like gotcha. that brightness, you know, that brightness. Uh-huh. Or a Telecaster. I don't think, I just don't think that's a sound for me. But but it's nice right. to have it, you know, it's nice to have it for, for a color, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. And and I love a lot of bands that use them. 
So it's not, I don't know, it's just about me, I guess, me playing it. Every Strat that I've played, except for like copy Strats or whatever, I never yeah. like the, the way the action is. I don't like the way the note it. is. Dude, I yeah. fucking hate I don't, it. No, you, I can't play good on them. I can't either. I thought it was just me. No, it's, no. I, that's, that's, no, not why. I just want a Strat to have one, but it's, like it's not because rubber. of the way they play. The strings feel like rubber or something. It's weird, dude. The way the the way the action is set and the way the neck is concave. Yeah. And yeah. And and the I don't know. I just can't get a good feel. My hand's not comfortable on it at all. Yeah. Unless it's like a, a Kramer Strat type thing or something like that, and then I'm I, comfortable on it. Right. I think you should get a kit and build it yourself. What I would love to do, like I have a friend who I went to school at Cal State Northridge who started to build guitars and he built classical guitars for a while. And then he started to build, he said he was building like electric guitars. And I was like, dude, can you make me a Les Paul? And he wouldn't do it. Like, I don't know why. I don't don't know why he wouldn't do it. I would have paid him. Well, okay. Maybe, maybe. If I could find a builder, I would love for someone to build me a cheap-ass fucking handmade custom Les Paul, <laughs> you know? But the thing is, is um, to, for someone like us to build it or for maybe him to build it, he'd have to be using a bolt-on neck, right? I wouldn't be able to fucking glue the ne- I wouldn't be able to glue the neck into the body the right way. And, I mean, a know? luthier could do it, though. Yeah. A luthier could, but but as far as me getting a kit... I'd like to get, oh. like, maybe a Van Halen kit. I don't even know so, what's available. I'm, you know, yeah. my friend did, my friend who gave me my Strat, or whatever I call a Strat, he, I think he, mm-hmm. I don't know where he got it from, but it's fucking cheap, right? But he uh-huh. fixed it up. He put good pickups in it. He, he paint, I don't know, he did a bunch of stuff, put stickers on it and stuff. Like, he did uh-huh. stuff to make it look really, like, custom. And um, it's really a beautiful-looking guitar, I love it. I have it on the wall and uh-huh. uh, it's, you know, it's cool. I just would like to have um, one that really plays well. You know, I guess what I'm yeah. saying is I would like to have, I love the Les Paul shape and feel and everything, but I, I don't want to like, but I doesn't, I don't need the Gibson name, but I don't like necessarily like the copies you know i think i'd rather yeah. just not have a corporate made instrument and just have like a handmade one yeah kind of just like a les paul copy that a cool like guitar builder made and you could pick the color and stuff yeah <laughs> one of my best playing guitars was that seville les paul copy yeah seemed like to me yeah the the thing about the um I don't have mine anymore. The thing about the uh, uh, yellow guitar, though, that I bought, because it's the same color as my original Les Paul copy from when we were kids, uh-huh. uh, that guitar plays so... I love how it plays so much. The one with the P90s. I just... I, just, I use it live. It's weird, because I use it live, but I just didn't like the way it sounded on the, re- on the record. Huh. I don't know if I'm going to use it live anymore, but I for all my John Dish shows, like since I got that guitar, I think uh-huh. for every single John Dish show I ever did, like solo, like I think I, um, 
I don't know why I call it John Dish show, just opposed to my old band bully. Like um I I used to, that P ninety guitar live. And because mm-hmm. I love how it plays, man. Yeah. It's weird. I sat down to play that thing and I was like, I gotta have this guitar. Uh-huh. So maybe live you it's just beefed up more than it is in the when you're recording. It's yeah, good, maybe. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. It might just be the way I recorded it, because that's what my friend says. It got me into P90s. He's like, you just don't know how to record. <laughs> yeah. But he likes the sound of that record too. So I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what he really means. But um, I uh, and the other thing I was going to say, you know, I have a pretty cheap Les Paul. It's not even a thousand dollar Les Paul. Uh huh. You know, it's it's the like top isn't arched, huh? It's a flat top. Um, arched? What does arch mean? Like curved sides? Like the, no, the face of it. Uh-huh. Does it kind of swell up in the middle, or is it just completely flat? The face. Oh, I think it's flat. Yeah. So that guitar, you know, it's not a very expensive guitar. Uh-huh. When I took it in with Steve to, you know, he has like really good amps and stuff. And um, that's why I went to him and he has guitars too. He's got tons of guitars on the wall and he, he brought out a Les Paul, you know, like a real Les Paul like yours mm-hmm. and maybe even more of a classic one, you know, uh-huh. and honestly, I, my guitar sounded better than his. I hated it. He he uh-huh. had me play it on a couple parts for contrast, but even he uh-huh. agreed that my guitar sounded better for like rhythm guitar. Oh, and cool! Solos. Like I use I use my guitar for everything, uh-huh. and it's like stock pickups and everything. So I think a, the amp has a lot to do with it, and not so much the guitar. So I think if the guitar is like how it looks and how it plays. Yeah, you put a good pickup in it, and you're probably going to get it. You're probably not going to notice the sound being. You know, you could change the pickup and get any sound you want. I don't know. I know that's probably not true, but well, you know what? Bringing that up, you know what's weird is uh, I was listening to uh, Bonham also talk about how he had a Les Paul that was um, it, everything was like perfect on it, the way it played and everything. And then um, what he pulled the pickups out of it, changed pickups, didn't like the way they sounded, and when he went to put back in the original pickups. It never sounded the same ever after that, and he ended up selling it. So, um, yeah, I mean, and Brad Paisley was talking about the same thing. Like, inside of it was, uh, he took it in, and they said um, to get something else done, something uh, like a selector or a knob or something had broken. And so when he took it to the shop, they ended up, they said, yeah, the whole thing, the wiring was like a rat's nest in there, so we went ahead and rewired it for you. And it never sounded the same again after that. So it's like, it's, it's yeah. kind of an an enigma there. And and Bonamassa was saying, I literally only had the pickups out of the guitar for a half hour and put them back in and it didn't sound the same. Well, I believe that. And that, and that proves probably what I'm saying to be wrong. So maybe my guitar just sounds cool by some fluke. But um, because I've heard you got a special about, one. Huh? Or you got you just happened to get a special one. Yeah, I just got lucky, you know. Yeah. Um, 
my friend, uh, no, my friend, but the guy who built my classical guitar, his name is Michael Timms, um, T-H-A-M-E-S. He is, I think he's in Santa Fe now. Um, but I bought one of his guitars back in college and I bought another one after I graduated. Um, but the one I bought before I, when I was in college, it was the first like handmade classical guitar I ever had. Uh, I talked to him on the phone a lot, like leading up to me buying it. Cause it was, you know, it was like $2,100 in like 1990 something. So, Whoa. um, n- now his stuff is like, I could never afford it. It's like $10,000 or something. Um, but he told me stories of like that. He told me a story about, this is the one I remember the most or that I remember, he told me a story about a guy who had this guitar that he loved, he loved, loved, loved. And he never let anybody play it. And one time he let somebody play the guitar and then he, it never sounded the same after that person played it. He had to get rid of it. What? Yeah. That's some crazy shit, right? He should have just changed the strings. (laughs) I'm sure he did. I mean, I'm sure he tried stuff, but uh, like, cause he loved the guitar. You ever let somebody I'm remembering it right? You ever let somebody play your guitar, and the pH balance on their skin is is weird, and then when when they hand it back to you, it feels like you can feel like a like a sticky grime, or you just feel it like oh man, you just changed the pH balance of my <laughs> neck, man. <laughs> yeah, I I don't. You know, a lot of people sweat like they just have. Yeah, I don't. I don't like the idea of somebody playing my guitar. Right? I, what I do can't you think tell of them? the last time somebody played one of my guitars. What do you tell them if they go, "Hey, can I play it?" I don't. I've never said no. I would never say no. But what if somebody? Okay, you, what if your prize classical? Somebody said, "You mind if I? Mind if I?" Nah, it's fine. I would let him play. It's fine. You would. <clears throat> Yeah, but it never happens. I can't think yeah. of when it's ever happened. Mm-hmm. I don't really hang out with people that much, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. yeah. When I play shows, I just stick them in the case right away. Like, no one ever comes up to me or anything. All right. Do you keep your guitars in the cases? I keep my two Les Pauls in the cases. I have, like, yeah. really fucked up, like, um, uh, what's the alternate to Gibson? What's that company? Epiphone? I have an Epiphone that my friend fixed up for me. I shouldn't say it's fucked up because I really love it. Trash Um, baby. Yeah. Trash baby. You've seen it. Uh, Uh, I have that one on the wall and I have the, the, um, the wannabe strat he made for me on the wall too. Everything else is in a case. Yeah. I think I'm going to try to keep my Les Paul like pristine instead of trying to get that, you know, that worn look. That everybody yeah. seems to like so much. Right, right. I don't know. I'm going to keep it as long, scratchless as long as I can. Dude, knock on wood. You, right now, there's not a scratch on it. Yeah, that's no awesome. That's like I'm surprised too from being around, being in Guitar Center and shit, hanging on the wall. Uh-huh. Nobody's ever scratched it. Wow. That's I got How lucky do you on like that. It? How do you like it? I love it. Yeah. And the fretwork now, the it, they come stock. With the fretwork is so good that um, you can drop the the um, saddle down 
uh-huh. way down, and you won't hear any fretting out through your amp, and you'll just uh-huh. barely hear a little bit on the second fret, on uh-huh. like the G string second fret. You barely right. hear it then. But no matter uh-huh. where you set that action, you could you could almost drop it all the way down. The, the fret work is so good on them now. Wow. Yeah, it's all done That's... by machine and shit. I think. Uh-huh. The, the neck calibrated and all that. It came right. like perfectly set up, and then I brought it to a guy at work that used to work at Fender, and uh-huh. he just um, he just adjusted the height of the strings to the um, to the pickups and to the each you know the fret. You kind of uh-huh. like you lock you lock the fret down. At, you put a cable on it like at the third fret, and then you check the height at the fifteenth. Right. You know that kind of shit. Did yeah. all that to it, and um, but yeah, it makes it's making me a better player too. Yeah, yeah, like um, because you, you hear know, more talk, detail or something, or what? Um, the the way the neck is opened up, it it allows me to like to slide up into different positions, and I have uh-huh. space and I have room. Cool. You know the the way the frets are spaced, kind of so. And it's making me want to be a better player. Nice. Yeah, I love it. I named it Lenny. That's, that's great, man. That's great to hear. Yeah. I uh, Speaking of threats, the other classical guitar story I have is when I had a, that, that guitar that I bought from that guy at that time, I, I had to sell it because I owed some fucking person money, my old drummer money. And he, uh-huh. I, I had no choice but to sell this guitar. And um, I wasn't playing anymore because I had a new uh, Tim's guitar, but I, uh, so I, I wanted to get as much as I could for it. And, and I uh, sent my friend Dave, who's a luthier, to do the frets. And he did it. The frets looked great, sounded great, but it sounded different. The, the frets changed the sound of the guitar. Whatever the he did frets changed, changed the sound? The sound? Yeah, it, whatever he did changed the sound. I assumed it was the frets. And maybe he fucked with a nut. I don't know what he did. I don't think he really did. I mean, it was beautiful. It played great. You know, it sounded, it, everything was clean and clear and crisp and it looked beautiful. And because I had worn those frets down, you know. Uh huh. Um, anyway, I sold it on eBay. Huh? He refretted it? Yeah, he refretted it. Oh. Which is pretty cool. I mean, it's amazing that he could do that, you know. I, yeah. I I wish he would have, you know. I don't know. He told me he was making electric guitars. I, he probably, he's probably selling guitars to people. I, I wish I could get one. But, uh-huh. um, but it did change the sound, you know, because I used to really love the sound of that guitar. And changed, it changed. It was more bright. But now I think that the guy's guitars, like I've heard, uh, it's weird because, you know, he had a certain sound back in the, in the day and his guitars sound totally different now. Huh. And I'm, I don't think I like them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the guitar I have. Like, yeah, like you said, I love mm-hmm. the sound of that guitar. But when I record it, it's really hard to EQ it to get the right, sound that I hear in my head when I play it, you know, like yeah, to make it sound like it sounds in the room is really challenging. But when you, if, 
when you do it, because I got a guy to do it, same guy who mixes my my rock and roll stuff, I got him to do it, and it sounds fucking beautiful. So I love that guitar. Like I, I don't care if some, there's some other fad or the builder thinks he builds better guitars now. I, I'm gonna keep uh, that guitar forever. Yeah. But the trick is, the trick is, did I tell you this whole thing? The preamps in the studios color the sound of an acoustic guitar. So if you want the pure sound of your guitar, uh-huh. you, you you have to, I don't even know what to say to do because these fucking people are like, you need to have a preamp. Well, I don't use a preamp. I just record straight through my board. And it sounds like my guitar sounds in the room pretty much. That's what I was going to say to you a second ago. Just go straight into the board. Well, that's what I do. And supposedly my Mackie board has some sort of old school, like, preamp in it or something that sort of serves as a preamp and they they're known to sound really good and they don't make them anymore i don't know if that's true i don't Uh know when we bought that thing my my friend and i had a studio probably around 2002 we bought that thing but um but yeah right so rewinding back to my when i first graduated from college and i made a classical guitar record and i went to this expensive studio in new mexico because i heard they were great my guitar teacher told me they were great he's like they have tube preamps he told me uh-huh. like, wow he goes they sound so fucking good and i was like tube preamps that sounds like a marshall or something but i'm playing class uh-huh. like that's gonna be fucking awesome right so i go to the studio i go and book a hotel or motel for a week and i'm going to the studio every day and my parents are paying for it you know, and it's like 35 bucks an hour or something. And I sit Uh down in front of this mic and it's like, sing, sing, sing. Like every single thing I play is like, sing, sing. Like it was horrible sound, dude. I I probably told you the story. Sorry, no. And and it's not funny, but it's like the way you're telling it. Uh, Go ahead. Oh, well, let's just move. We just need to move the mic around. They spent like two days moving mics, dude, and everything sounded the same. Like, sing, sing. Every fucking. It sounded like Eric Clapton playing um, that on his, like, unplugged album. Like, it's like so. It's like it's a nylon string, but it sounds like a fucking steel string. Like, it's just horrible. Oh, like, no. We work on our tone so hard as classical guitarists, you know? We try to make uh, it sound like a piano. We try to make it sound like a round, beautiful, full tone. Then uh, you've got these fucking assholes. You're paying them all this money, and, and it's like they can't make it sound the way it sounds. Like, That's how your guitar sounds, dude. I'm standing right here. No, it doesn't. Like, yeah. You know, so, dude, like, they had to, in order to make it sound like a classical guitar to my ears, they had to use a shitty mic and move it away from the guitar. Uh-huh. And I, I thought it I didn't know what it, I didn't know what to do. I was like, okay, I guess I'll do They're like, if you like this sound... Because it makes hiss when you pull it back. Like, if you like this sound, there's this new thing. It's called no noise, and they can remove the hiss from the recording. If you like this sound, this is this is just go with it. And I was like, okay. So I record the whole album. Fucking spent so much money, like two thousand dollars of my parents' money, and they had to get a loan for me to do that record. 
and you know I didn't I didn't have any equipment so any editing I did I had to do it also pay for that so then um, I come back here and I finished the editing because I ran out of money out there and time and I was paying for a hotel and all that shit so come back here and I met a guy he helped me to finish the editing and did you then bring back real tape reels with you I had on ADAT tape oh uh-huh. and so then um <clears throat> and I had to transfer it too I had to transfer it to something for him no, I had to transfer. I had to transfer because I didn't have an ADAT player. I had to transfer it to cassette so I could listen to it and make notes for all the edits because I had like a lot of takes. I did a lot of takes, uh-huh. so I had to make notes about what edits I wanted. So then, I, when I went in the studio, I was like, "Okay, we'll use take five for this these bars and take six from here to here, or whatever." Uh-huh. And um, anyway, when we got it done. The guy was telling me, his name was Aaron. He's like, dude, that no noise is bullshit, man. He's like, you're not going to be able to fucking, it. it's not going to work. You can't get rid of this. There's no fucking way. It's not going to be a magic bullet. They fucked you over. You know, you should just re-record the whole thing. I'm like, dude, I can't. I spent so much money doing this. I can't fucking re-record it. You know, I can't. Oh, no. Like, my parents had to get a fucking loan to do this shit. So we take it to the no. We take it to a studio that has no noise. They put the fucking thing on. It's probably some plug-in or whatever. And then it comes back and it's the same. But essentially, it's the same, right? There's this hiss. Uh huh. And then he goes in and he just EQs it out like in five minutes. I was just gonna say he just dropped that certain K. Yeah, and this is how stupid I was. I didn't know anything about this stuff. And he's like, all no noise is is EQ, dude. But it has to be. Like, it, there's nothing else it could be. And I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, so that he very goes top band. Out. Huh? That very top band of EQ. I don't know what, not the 4K or the 2K or or whatever. Well, I don't, and, yeah. I don't know. But he found the frequency and, and dropped it enough. And we did a compromise because it does fuck with the sound. And there's hiss on the record. And it's like whatever dude like i don't care but the worst thing about it is that it doesn't have like it doesn't sound like my guitar you know it just i love that album i I love it i love it but you know it's like those guys so years later i i realized like i go to some studio and i plug my guitar in and they have a neumann mic like a beautiful mic like i was using up there it was like a neumann something really Uh high-end mic you know i thought it Uh was the high-end mic that was making it do it i plug in this this mic and I play, I remember I did like an arrangement of Imagine by John Lennon and it was fucking beautiful, dude. Like my tone was like, I'm like, that's my tone. That's how I couldn't believe it was me. I was so blown away. I was like, what mic is that? I didn't even know what mic that is. So, but then I go and I work with this guy, Michael, when I did my last CD, I work with this guy, Michael. And, and he's like, you know, I figured it out. No, I did. I did a one piece with him. I recorded one piece with him, and I figured it out that it's the fucking preamp. I don't know how I figured it out, but um, so this time I went in and we he he had like three preamps, and we tried different ones. There was uh-huh. like a, I think there's like an analog one, a digital one, or something. I don't know, but one of them sounded better. But they all colored the sound, all of them. So if you're recording acoustic guitar, just 
keep that in mind, man, because it, anyone, especially if you're recording classical guitar, because these uh-huh. rock and roll studio guys don't get it. They don't get what a classical guitar should sound like, and um, they'll fuck you over. Yeah. And and those guys took so much of my money, and all we had to do was go just fucking turn that goddamn tube preamp off. <laughs> Motherfuckers. Like, why did yeah, I listen to that guy? Tube preamps. Wow. I think that's what it is. The non-tube preamp is the one that sounded the best when I went into the studio last time. And so we used that preamp. Solid state, you didn't get that hiss. Right. The solid state didn't color it at all. Uh huh. So you probably maybe you want that color on a rock and roll song, but you don't want that, or maybe you want that color recording an amp. I mean, even if it's an amp, I feel like I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want any coloration coming from the preamp. I would want it to be pure, you know? Right. And color it from the, and 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 control it from the mic and the tone and I don't know, man. Right. It's weird. Like I don't like the idea of a preamp fucking with the sound at all with my vocals, like. My vocals, well, I record my vocals straight into the board, into, you know, I'm sure the studio guys would just fucking laugh at me, but the guy who mixes my shit, like, he never, he never says anything, and he's, he's pretty fucking pro, you know? Uh-huh. When are you going to get, are you thinking about getting your own home recording shit? That's what you should do. I have everything You got stuff you record on? You have everything you need at home? I have everything I need, but I don't want to record like, like I went to record with that guy, Steve. And, uh-huh. and it was like, he had those amps. They were like all Frankenstein amps without any, any, uh, it was just like the guts of the amp sitting on top of a, of a, of a cabinet. And, uh, like, he's like, this amp is like a model of, it's like a copy of the fucking Beatles, nineteen sixty. I don't know, whatever, revolver album. Like, this is an exact replica. I figured it out. Man, I took it to this electrician and he soldered it just the way I... Like, he's like he's a fucking mad genius, dude. He's like, listen. Uh-huh. And he's like... And he shares the studio with a guy, another guy. And um, he said the guy called him one day. He's like, dude, this is... I think this amp is the best sounding amp I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> So it's cool to work with him. Like I like to go in there. It's it's expensive, but for me, but it's like I don't I don't want to mic my own shit because I think that's the weakness on my. Well, on my do you demo your own shit at home? Yeah, yeah. What do I you record use? all my I record like my tools? vocals, huh? Uh, do you you record your music at home? I mean, not well, anything I that you're going to release, but I, what do I you demo, use? I use um, Digital Performer. On your computer? Yeah, on a Mac. Oh, okay. But they oh, have okay. it for PC now. Uh-huh. Um, Digital Performer. Um, but you can use anything. Like, there's shit that's almost free that you can get. Don't don't use Audacity, because that's fucking bullshit. For editing. Because yeah. I, I tried doing some edits on Audacity, and... Uh, it's it doesn't work. It just doesn't do what you want it to do. It's just not detailed enough. But um, anyway, you can get a free Pro Tools if you have the 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 um, right computer for it, a computer that can handle yeah. it. 
I mean, yeah, I have no, a I don't. brand new computer at work. I tried to put Pro Tools on it because I had to do some videos for them. Uh-huh. And I was going to do the sound on Pro Tools, a free version of Pro Tools. I couldn't even download it. And that, that's a that's a, mm-hmm. like a that's a brand new PC that that I got from my office. Like they just like state of the art, you know. Like they're like this is like the best computers we have, you know. And it couldn't even uh-huh. handle Pro Tools. So even the free version of Pro Tools requires like a pretty pretty good computer. Yeah, I'm just but there's me, other like, stuff. Eight. You could get like Cubase or something like that. I'm just gonna give me like a little eight, like a Boss eight track recorder or something like that you know i worked on a stuff. standalone I work, yeah i work with stuff like that for years man yeah something i could put a drum machine a bass a keyboard and a guitar yeah. and a, and a yeah. vocal yeah. yeah for especially for the demos that's what i do like i use i don't use drum machine but i kind of play keyboard sounds and then I edit them together. So I, I'm, I'm not doing MIDI because I hate MIDI, but I uh-huh. like, you know, I have a grid and I'm putting the kicks on the on the downbeats or whatever, and I create the drum beat and I build my arrangement off of it. And mm-hmm. um, well, off that and the vocals and everything, like everything comes together. But I record everything, demo everything first, and then I replace everything. So the, you know, like first thing I did is replace the drums. So I. I don't. I don't want to ever record drums, like unless oh, I can man. have someone set up a kit and leave it in a in a room that I own. But I could never probably afford a place like that. Yeah. So these drums, you know, the way my friend Michael, Mike, these drums at this place we went to it was just fucking beautiful. It sounded amazing. So there's that, and I went to this other guy for the guitars. He's like a specialist on that, you know. My. We, I, I'm gonna. I record the vocals here because I have a Neumann mic. I just record them in my bathroom. They came out good. Uh, my friend Hector is going to play the bass. He's going to record here through my board. I did that twice already. I think the bass sounds fine. Mm-hmm. So, when do we? I don't need anything stuff? else. I think about it sometimes. Like, what do I want to buy? Like, I don't need. I have everything I need to to make you know a record here. Oh, that's cool. When do we get the new record? I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> well, I'm debating. What do you think about this? Acoustic guitars on an electric album. Should they, you know, because they come in and out here and there. Should they be recorded 24-bit or 16-bit? If I've already recorded them 16-bit accidentally, should I spend the time re-recording them all to 24 is it going to be you're asking the wrong guy <laughs> I'm, I don't even know what a bit is bro my last it's just recording high quality I did, digital sound my last recording I did myself was on a yeah. Fostex 4 track <laughs> well it sounded pretty damn good man well oh no no that was at the other guy's house he's got all that shit oh okay I see. Yeah. Well, anyway, so I might have to re-record all my acoustic guitars. I'm still tweaking things here and there. Um, you know, other uh, vocals are rushed here and there. Not only do I rush on guitar, turns out I rush on vocals too. So uh-huh. just gonna like fine tune it a little bit. But I gotta record the bass. I gotta have my friend come over, and there's ten songs, and we're probably only gonna get like one or two done a night. So he has to come over here like 
between five and ten times. <laughs> yeah, and so I got everybody's schedule. Yeah, so I got to find time for him to do that, and uh, and then it's pretty much done. It's pretty much. Oh, I'm I'm getting some keyboard part, some piano parts played. I I, I debated over whether to use my shitty piano part that I recorded uh-huh. or to have uh-huh. a real piano guy do it. So, um, this oh, man, guy. I can't wait to hear it. Well, thanks. You know, I was I was starting to get I was starting to think that it sucked the other day, and then I listened to it again last night, and I recorded. I tried to. I'm trying to figure out what order the song should be in. Uh huh. So I'm playing it in order in like the order I think it should be in, and then I'm starting to get excited about it. Like they sound cool together. You know, going from this one to this one to this one. Cool. So I don't know. I'm I'm excited about it, but you know, it's no big deal. <laughs> It is to me, dude. I love your albums. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Thank yeah, no. It's fun. I was talking to some guy today, uh, all via email, who was talking to me about my music and stuff, and I was like, dude, I just do it for myself to hear it back. Like, I just love to do it so much and I love to hear the result, you know, uh-huh. like I'm going to spend all this fucking money, thousands of dollars, whatever it's going to be to record all this shit and get it mixed and mastered by professionals. And I get to, and I'm just going to listen to it and just be like, wow, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And then for, you'll forever have a piece of, of your life, like a snapshot of that time in your life too. Yeah. Yeah. The time and, and, that you wrote it, the time that you recorded it, what the songs mean to you, how you feel when you listen to them, you know, you, and you'll have that and you'll be damn gl- right. glad that you, you'll be, gl- you're glad that you did. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like a challenge, man. I mean, it's like trying to top yourself at anything, trying to better yourself, mm-hmm. trying to, you know, whatever your thing is to try and like, maybe you want to try and run faster or, like I want to try to make write better songs and record better albums. Like it's just like that's what I love to do. It's a challenge. It's it's like you know. I don't know. I just yeah. I just I, it's what I always wanted to do. I always wanted to re- make records. Like that's because I loved records even when I was a little little kid. Uh-huh. Even though it wasn't like cool seventies rock and roll, it was like shit that my mom would buy me in the bargain bin. But I mean, I was like obsessed with records when I was really little. And then I kind of got uh-huh. out of it and then I got back into it with you, you know, uh-huh. but I think that's part of somehow is implanted in me because my parents always had records and I, I don't know, I guess my mom says before I could even talk, I would like get out their records, pull them all out, you know? And so I think I just like have some sort of embedded fascination with, yeah records <laughs> that's cool yeah but anyway um what about you what do you when are you going to start you should you talk. should do this i don't have any recording equipment or any computers like that you could you know you should look into it because you don't probably need well, that much here's the here's the thing i spent i kind of fucked up um i spent all this time trying to become a better lead player and not really getting any better at it. 
instead of, and I stopped writing songs because uh-huh. I was always trying to be a better lead player so I yeah. could write better songs. But then yeah. now I have all these songs that I wrote in the 80s and early 90s, and I haven't written anything really new. And then so now I just kind of want to start over and like become a songwriter. Yeah. So I need to write new material. So I don't really have anything that I want to record except for if I wanted to record my old songs just to finally say there, they're done. Right. But I have all these material. I got like 25 songs, you know, and only one or two of them got words to them, you know, that are Uh completely, that are completely done. Right, and I I stopped writing because I was trying to fucking play lead, and I yeah. screwed myself. Well, that's, that's kind of a lot of songs. Twenty-five songs is a lot of songs. Yeah, maybe I'm going to go back and um, you know, mess around with the, you know, tweaked chords and and do different stuff like what we were talking about. That's why I was asking you, like, if a song is in, let's say, the verse is in, whatever F sharp major. Uh-huh. And then the chorus is in C sharp major. Right. Do I want to pick the chords for the chorus from the C sharp major, or do I want to pick them from the F sharp major? Well, and that's it's all, all about kind of asking you those sounds. questions. Yeah. Huh? I mean, yeah, I just... the way oh. the trick that I learned to making this record is that the way to do it is to record it one way. Forget it. Record it on your phone. I mean, like, you know, in the bathroom or something. Record Uh it one way. Forget about it. Come back to it. Record it another way. Forget about it. Come back to it a week later. Record it another way. Then on another day, after you forgot everything, listen to them all, and you'll clearly hear the best solution. And that's that's the trick I learned this time, like making this As far as picking chords and stuff? Yeah, like which key, like let's say you know your chorus and you know your verse, but you want to uh-huh. change keys or maybe you want to do the same key. Like you, So make it in the same key, make it in a new key, make it in another new key, like do like a few and, gotcha. and, and, and throw it away and forget it and come back and listen to it at once and pick your favorite because it's going to stand out. Okay. But you can't hear it. You can't hear it in one shot. Like, I at least I can't. Back you know? to back, huh? And back to back, yeah. you can't hear it. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard. It's you get okay. like a perspective, you know. It's like cleaning your uh-huh. palate, and you come back, and and it's like you taste the the wine, you know, for the first time, or whatever, after drinking some uh-huh. water or whatever. It's like, you know, uh, I think it's it's exactly what it is. It's cleansing the palate. You come back and. You hear it fresh, and you hear stuff that you never would have heard, and that's right. what's amazing about making a record. It's like, you know, you hear it ten years later, and you're like, whoa, you know, yeah. It's uh, you hear you. For me, it's usually better than what I thought. Although there was a time when the shit I did was worse than what I thought. <laughs> so at some point, <laughs> at some point, like it, like it ages and it gets better, but. Um, you know, but that's a good test because if it's bad, you can see how far you came since then. Maybe you know, uh-huh. your ears improve, but in a short term, like you just, I don't know, you just hear stuff you can't hear. So that's a secret. That's a big secret 
like if I had to give someone advice about songwriting, that's the biggest secret I think that I figured out recently is like do a bunch of shit and, and walk away from it and come back. Mm-hmm. I think I got that because this, this producer guy I worked with for a little bit uh, and vocal teacher, Steve Postel, he told me um, when you, when you want to figure out the tempo of your song, start recording, play, stop, go away, come back the next day, hit record and start to play and then do it three times and then come in and listen to all three and pick the middle tempo. And that should be the tempo of your song. (laughs) That's like a cool, I never do it, but I think it's a really cool way to do that too. Like to find the right tempo that your body wants it to be. Uh And do you come up with a guitar riff first or do you write the words first? Are both together? I mean, I, I know you can do it any first. combination, any combination of ways. I always write the words first. Okay, but that's me. I'm weird. Like the only person. Yeah, but I your know... songs are clever, and they got like a lot of clever chord changes and shit. And I, I want to do, I want to do stuff like that. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. My shit's just first chorus, first chorus, bridge, solo chorus. And... But that's how I was for years too. You know. Yeah. I'm only now starting to do chromatic shit. Like I'm just forcing myself to, to go out of my comfort mm-hmm. zone and try different com- chromatic chords. That's what I was telling you. Like instead of a major chord for the six chord, play a minor and see what it's like, you know, uh-huh. like, it might, it might just be the perfect thing. Then it affects your melody. Then, you know, then it affects your melody. Right. Yeah. And you can also add ninths and elevenths or whatever. And, find the right and if you if you add a ninth that might end up being part of the melody you know and there's a reason for that ninth chord because uh-huh. you know, or maybe not maybe there's not a reason but but you can build your melody off that sometimes you come up with a melody and then you're like is this the root of the chord like you're trying to find the chords for that melody sometimes it's the root sometimes it's the third the fifth but maybe it's the ninth maybe it's the thirteenth like maybe you come up with this amazing hook because you're trying the chord and the melody note is the 13th. You know what I mean? So right, right. there's all kinds of like different stuff you could do to stretch, stretch your, um, I don't know what you call that, but your, your, your menu of, of options, you know? Okay. Picture, picture this chord. Okay. The fifth fret on the D string, the G note, the seventh fret, Wait. Fifth fret on the what? On the D string. Oh yeah. Which is, which is G. Yeah. Then the seventh fret on the G string, which is D. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the eighth fret on the B string, which is G. Okay, that chord. Yeah. That G D G. Okay, now that first the first G that you're playing with your index finger. Uh huh. Move that up a half step and make that G sharp. So you've got G sharp. Uh-huh. D, G natural. But, but you change the um, you change the D to C. So you've got G sharp, C, and G. So the bottom note is G sharp, but the top note is G natural. Uh-huh. What is that? What is that chord? It's got a major seventh in it. 
so um like a major seventh would be like you play a c chord with an open b right so there's that b and the d there's there's that dissonance because b and d are right together you know right so i think it's somehow some sort of seventh it's something with a major seventh i mean you could play a minor chord with a major seventh which is probably uh-huh. weird but i'm trying to think so it's it's g sharp so, yeah g huh? the g the c and the e all, all on the fifth fret right the d string the g string and the b string you're barring that g c e uh-huh. across the fifth yeah but then you you make that g a g sharp and then that you make the high one a g natural okay so g sharp seeds g natural yeah well okay I mean, it's a, it's a major seventh between the G sharp and the G natural, for sure. It's oh, really an okay. A flat chord. It's an A Hear flat this. major seventh. It's an A flat major seventh. Hear this, right? Can you hear that? Barely. Okay, what's this? <laughs> I can't hear it. <laughs> you can't hear it. I just told you what the chord was, though. It's an A flat major seventh. Yeah, A flat C with a G sharp. Or G, sorry, A flat C with a G natural. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Because you can play it on the first fret, the G string and the B string on the first fret, and then the third string on the E. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't know if that was a real chord or not. Because I got it in one of my songs. Well, everything's a real chord, so there's no rules. Okay. But as a, I, I was playing it, and somebody's like, what what chord is that? And I was like, I don't know what chord it is. Uh-huh. It's just all I did was move the G. I'm playing sharp with a G natural. Yeah. And I was like, how does that work? But it works. Right. Right. Yeah, well, that's the thing. So your melody could start on that G on that G natural if you were playing it in that key, and maybe or 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 hit that note in the melody somewhere when you hit that chord. And you know, you you know about chord tones, right? I mean, you've learned that from playing leads, right? What do you mean chord tones? You know, play the chord tones. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So so like if it's the same thing for a vocal melody, like. You know, if you're playing an A chord, you know, you're probably going to hit the E and the C sharp and the A at some point. You know, right, right, right. That chord. You go to the E chord and you're probably going to hit the G sharp and the E and the G B. sharp and the B. So, uh-huh. yeah. But then you start to expand it and, and add like a fucking um, a ninth to that E chord. And then you got the F sharp that you can also play. Hit the ninth, melody. right? Yeah. yeah, and they say like, oh, you should hit the hit the chord tones on the down on the main beats and on the upbeats, you know, hit passing tones, but it doesn't. It's just all how you hear it. It's not, you know, if you have, to, you shouldn't have to do it that way. But you can, you can, you can work it out, you know. Yeah. And, and see, but you know, that's that's what I mean. Like when you're writing a song, 
since I start with lyrics, I get a melody right away or something of a melody. So I start to find co- right chords for a melody, you know. And then wow. it can, of course, change keys. Like if I write a song in E, but it's not right for my voice or it's not right for the guitar, I'll move it up to a different key, you know. Can you? And then for finding, like, I can't come up with good vocal melodies with my voice. I have to find them on the guitar. I do. A, I do a both. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. I do that too. I don't always do that. I do both, but um, sometimes I do. Sometimes I am struggling, and I just like um, uh, go and record the chords. Sometimes I end up knowing kind of the melody, but then I, I think I can improve the melody. But I like the chords, and so then I have the chords, and I, I start to do it on guitar. Yeah. Uh, just to um, kind of document it and and be able to change notes here and there because I could just edit and replace notes and kind of yeah. refine it. But I trip out on singers who can just improvise all these different melodies, you know, yeah. high to low. Half the time they're throwing really good shit away. They're not, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I don't know about that. I, I don't know. There's some singers that are just all over the map and I don't really think they have melodies. They just kind of, it's like us playing scales in a key. You know, right. I hear a lot of like when I take Uber, sometimes these guys put on like pop, modern pop, which I don't even know. I sound like an old fucking person, but I don't care what corporations put out anymore. I don't ever listen to any of it. And anytime I do, I, I just want to throw up like it's the worst. But when I do hear like modern sort of pop music, it usually just sounds like meandering sort of jamming. Like the vocalist is just sort of meandering in a key, you know, uh-huh. with auto tune on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's not a melody. It's not like this, you know, the songs from like, for me, the best songs were like in the seventies, like the, all those totally early seventies, like soft rock songs. Like those melodies are so amazing. Yep. There's hundreds and hundreds of them. Yeah. Like Baker Street, and, and yeah. And then you go, you're like you're in a verse, and you're in one world, and you go to a chorus, and you're in a completely different world. And that's to me the best songs. Like how right. the fuck do they do that? A lot of it's producing too, if it, whatever producer they had. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Because they're hearing the song. But they're thinking it out. They're they're hearing it from but from outside the box, so they're taking yeah. it to the next level, of you know when the song was done. They're taking it. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'm just talking about the melody and chords, really. I mean, not uh-huh. so much the arrangement, but I love that stuff too. But like, you know, the Beatles did it. Yeah. Where where you know they go from one world in one section to another world in another section, you know Sting made an album with his man his man his producer or manager I can't remember it may have been his manager the guy who's the son of the um the CIA guy uh, Stuart Copeland's brother um, 
Ian, it's not Ian Copeland, it's Miles Copeland. So Miles Copeland is talking to Sting. Sting plays him some songs from his new album, like 20, 30 years ago, right? Uh-huh. And he's like, he's like, your your choruses are are like not even a surprise. Like your choruses are just like an extension of your verses. Like there's no separation between your verses and your choruses. And he's like, he said, your your chorus should feel like a garlic milkshake. That's what he told him. Huh. Like it should be, so, it should jar you. It should just like, whoa, you know, it should wake you up. It should, you should just feel this thing happen. And, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's what that's I want to do. Challenge in songwriting is to try and like create different worlds for my sections. I don't know if I'm doing it or not, but I'm trying to do that it. That tension and release. Yeah. Like that, that Eric Johnson song that I, yeah. that I sent you the other morning. That uh-huh. I was all crazy about the whole yeah. thing was that the the whole thing I got all excited about was the the change from the way the verse went into the course the way that course broke and landed yeah and and I was just like oh I love this song like you guys you got to start your day with this song and it was all just that feeling of how it it broke from the verse to the chorus it's like the the solo yeah. he ruined he ruined that song with the guitar solo. But he is a really good guitar player. I didn't really know yeah. anything about that dude. Yeah. But, but it uh, wasn't the, I think he ruined that song with all that all them notes. Yeah. yeah. The song was like so pretty and boring and he's like I was like I mean it's great playing, but it's kinda ruined the song. So I was listening yeah. to it over and over, and as soon as it got to the guitar solo, I would just start the song again. <laughs> it would be cool to hear like someone do a cover of it, like with a different yeah. sort of vibe. Yeah. I want to hear it again. I want to listen to it again, based on what you said. Yeah. What's the name of the song? Desert Rose. Oh, Desert Rose by what's his name? Eric Johnson. Eric Johnson, right? I've heard yeah. of him for years, but I never listened to him yeah. until that day. Oh, he's got a he's got a he's got a good instrumental called Cliffs of Dover. Uh huh. Yeah, Cliffs of Dover's. I, that's a good instrumental. Cool. But but Desert Rose is just. I listen to it, and when it gets to the guitar solo, I just cut it. Wow. Because it's too much. But I love the way that verse goes in the chorus. I'm gonna check that out again. Well, yeah. it was. Uh... A lot of fun talking to you. You too, brother. Thanks for uh, letting me do my ace so show. Review, oh, yeah, yeah. We got to do Skunk Baxter next. Maybe a Skunk Lukather or something. You don't know about Lukather, huh? He's, he, he's, he's another session player that... I know who he is. I, yeah, you know, like all those good I, I tube songs. Sorry. Yeah. All those good tube songs where you go, oh, wow, who's that on the guitar? It's not the tubes of guitarist, it's it's Lukather. Oh wow. And he did yeah, and he does like the what's that Randy Newman? I love LA. He does a really good solo on that. Really? And, yeah, he's he's played with every, you know what I mean? He's one of the same like skunk played with everybody. <clears throat> I was uh one of my well my friend Michael, who was a guitar player who sadly passed away a few years ago, um, was, 
I used to, we he used to be roommate. We were roommates in the nineties and he was at some studio and Ingve was in the studio jamming, uh-huh. ex- playing his Ingve thing. And Steve Lukather was there and Michael was there for some reason. I don't know why. And Steve Lukather came out of the session or he came out of his session and heard, heard, uh, Ingve or something, and he said, "Chops for days." <laughs> He's got chops for days. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember that he said. That's only every time someone mentions Steve Lukather, I think of my friend telling me that story because he used to uh-huh. tell the story a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some good interviews with Steve Lukather talking about, you know, recording at Sunset Sound and. Yeah, you know, um, what's that guy who does the um Rick Rick uh what's his name? Rick Beto Beto. Yeah, that dude interviewed him. Yeah, yeah. You too. I guess they're pretty good friends, yeah. That's a good inter anytime those two get together is yeah. Lucather does some good interviews. That's cool. I I'm I'm down for that. I like to check out what stuff he he's done and, and do a show about mm-hmm. it. That's cool. I love Hold the Lines. Yeah, that's like classic song. Yeah, Rosanna. Check out the solo on Rosanna. All right, really, really tasty. Yeah, I'm sure he's like wicked, fucking just melodic as hell, and just yeah, he chops for days and jazzy. (laughs) Right, right. Now I gotta tell you, since we're our podcast is called Strummer Time as a guitar player to guitar player, I pretty much can't stand jazz guitar. I mean, so I never got into it. I, I never love got into jazz. It. You know, my dad always listened to jazz. He uh-huh. always listened to Coltrane and Miles. And I love horns and piano and like acoustic bass. I mean, Charlie really Parker stuff. And I don't, I'm not a huge fan of like the fifties bebop stuff, but like, Late fifties, sixties, modal stuff in the seventies. My dad had seventies stuff, like that period around there where it was still acoustic and maybe dipping into electric. I love that stuff, but I uh-huh. don't like the guitar, man. I like guitar in an ensemble, but when the guitar is like the the focus, like Sco, John Schofield or Al Mula or Pat uh-huh. Metheny, I just like Holdsworth. Just lost, man. Helen Holdsworth. John yeah, McLaughlin. I don't like it. I don't like yeah. It. Yeah. I don't know why. It's I so complex guitar. it blows everybody's mind though. Yeah, it's these guys focused these on guys the will say, I'll never be able to play what holds with they're like, you know, some of the guys that I consider like, you know, the best guitar players are like, I could never do what he does. Yeah. You know, but I'd rather listen just, to Ace Fraley. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Ace really had magic. He had magic. He he played that do solo, and I had tears in my eyes because it was fucking magic. Yeah. And Steve Lukather can't do that. He couldn't do it. True. Steve Lukather could not. No person could have been in that band and done what Ace did. He was magic. Yeah. Well, I to get me. you. To me, yeah. man. I mean, I hear those riffs, those licks. They just 
I just love them. Like and when he does it live, it's just it's like three dimensional. It's like oh my god, it's sloppy, but it, it's not always sloppy. You know, sometimes it's great, but it just I don't know. It's amazing. He just he just slides up and goes and it's like wow. He like <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just like a. It's just like a shot right back to my childhood or something. Yeah. It's I don't get that feeling with Bad Company or Aerosmith, even though I love all that stuff. Uh huh. There's something about Ace that's special, you know. Yeah. And the way he bends those notes. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. He's still got that that bend that brings you right back to those days. But, you know what I mean? For sure. And and it's not only that, but it's the notes he chose on those records when he played those solos. It's yeah. the notes he chose, the, the solos. I, I just think he, I don't know. I don't know if he had help with that. He could have, but it's fucking beautiful, man. I mean, it's just yeah. like, to me, it's just, I don't know. It's magic. I just love it. And that's it. before Bob Ezrin or anybody got in there and put their hands in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Like what he came in and made him, you know, he was responsible for oh, all that Bob shit. Under- for sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. But there could have been a, a producer on those sessions who helped him with the solos. Yeah. But I don't I think, know. I think you they know, had them songs, you know what I mean, already. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I heard something really interesting that kind of blew my mind. You know, like it, Angus Young solos are kind of iconic, too, you know. Like shook me all uh-huh. night long and all that shit. Yeah, he's like, I watched like part of a documentary about ACDC, and they're like, yeah, he just comes in, and does like ten takes, and I just do a comp. He's like fucking, fucking Angus Young comes in and just improvises ten takes, leaves and lets the fucking producer do a comp, and that becomes the iconic solo that we have all heard all these years. I don't know. Well, that kind of takes the magic out of it. And it splices them together how he wants it. Yeah, but it's like, well, I don't, I don't judge that because to me that's like making it. That's what making a record is. It's creating an illusion. It's I'm totally down with that. But um, I, I don't like the fact that Angus has nothing to do with it. <laughs> like, yeah, it kind of took the magic the out of it. Right. That's weird. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I believe it because like. It's so good. Those solos. So the way it leads, one part so leads into the other. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like he worked it out, you know? Yeah. And then he must <laughs> learn it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's like all made. It's like sounds worked out. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, Ace, I don't know what he does in the studio, what he did to get those solos. He says, somehow I'm just able to record really good guitar solos. I don't know. (laughs) He says some shit like that. They say I'm really really good at recording guitar solos. I don't know how I do it. Like, it's funny. Yeah. But it's true, though, man. I mean, think about... Fucking Bruce Kulick and Kiss. Like, do you remember any of that guy's solos? 
It's just no, I noodling, would never dude. listen to none of, none of the. I would never listen to any of it. Well, I listened to it a few times. I I was dating someone who's a huge Kiss fan when I was like right out of high school, and she she you know was like she loved like Eric Carr, and she had some later Kiss sounds like Asylum, and I, it's just awful. Like the songs are awful. So Paul might have a good song or two on each album, but. Pretty much they're pretty terrible, but the guitar solos are just noodling. Like they acted like they got a really, like an improvement from Ace, like they got an uh-huh. upgrade. But, but it's not didn't. an upgrade, man. The dude has no sense of melody at all. And, you Basically, know, no personality on the guitar. Yeah, right? I mean, no, it just, no personality. It's generic for sure. But, you know, the focus isn't the melody, the focus is like doing an exciting fast solo because it was the eighties and it wasn't even that fast. It wasn't even that technically impressive. And and it just, even if it was like, it just, the notes were not, they, they just weren't compelling. Like there was nothing there. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, on that note, all right, then <laughs> go eight. Eight. Well, so yeah, so we'll do we'll do I don't know, pick something and we'll do some we'll do your idea because we've been I've been dictating too many of these ideas. Okay, let me let me think on it. All right, man. Okay, brother. Well, I will talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Good night. Bye. We got time for one more. I want to play my favorite kiss song. It's called Duke.
That's always a lot of fun to play. Thank you so much for coming out on such a shitty night. Don't get stuck in a flood. <laughs> and if you're drinking, don't drive. Let somebody else drive. I want to see you when I come back the next time. Alright? God bless you. We'll see ya. doing the Howard Stern show early in the wee hours of the morning to promote the new movie that's coming out on uh, video today which is the 29th of uh, March January February March yeah and uh, the movie's called Remedy and uh, I play a heroin dealer in it. Hey, a little nervous or uh, nah. how you feel before you go in <clears throat> I don't get nervous at this shit. Ace Fraley is uh, from Kiss I don't really know that much about Ace Fraley Sal's the guy who knows everything about Ace Fraley. He's the guy who said, hey, you got to get Kiss in here. Ace Fraley. That well, was, I know the name. That's about it. Yeah. That was one huge band, man, in the 70s. And I know Ace isn't in the band anymore, and I think he hates Gene Simmons. So that's always funny. Anyway, here's Ace. He's in a movie called Remedy, uh, now available on DVD. How are you? I was going to say, I hadn't heard of that. Ace Fraley. There he is. Oh, no, that's Chuck Zito. I that ain't say, a... wait a minute. I know that guy. <laughs> Hi there. Hey, Ace. How you doing? Hey, Chuck. Why is Chuck in here? Why is Chuck in here? I don't know. I don't, I don't, this is a surprise to me, but Chuck is always welcome. Of course he's welcome. I'm just wondering if Ace feels unsafe. How are you, Ace? I'm wonderful. Good to see you. Hi, Chuck. How are you? Hi, Alex. All right. You boys are in a movie? Yeah. What movie is this? Remedy. Remedy. I don't know. It's now, what is that about? What is that about, Ace? It's about... Uh it's about choose your own poison, you know. It's about, you know, decadency in New York City. Oh, I know all about that. The drug scene, you know. Right. I play, really? I play a heroin dealer. In the <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. I can't see you as a heroin dealer. <laughs> yeah, neither money. could I, you know. Yeah. I'm a police captain. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that's I funny. play Captain Sally. 
Hey, uh, you're in. Uh, are you in Kiss or not? I don't know that much about Kiss. I'll be honest with you, but uh, I know everyone's a big fan. So, w w what's going on here with this Kiss stuff? I'm, I'm presently not touring with them. And you hate Gene, right? No, I love Gene. Oh, come on, man! Why don't aren't do you this touring to me. with them then? Chuck, does he hate Gene? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. No, I don't. No, I know he stuck, stuck to his guns because he said that he was, he's not going to open for a band that uh, used to open for uh, Kiss. Yeah, what happened? Aerosmith and you guys went out on tour. Right. And you said, uh, the way it was explained to me anyway, and, and tell me if I'm wrong or right, you said, hey, man, I ain't opening up for Aerosmith. Yeah. Aerosmith can open up for us. Mm -hmm. And you told that to Gene. Right. And Gene said, hey, you can get out of the band. That's okay. And that's it. <laughs> that was the end, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you don't care. Well, I'm, I, you know, I'm part of the family. And uh, but you know, as of uh, last couple of years, you know, I'm just kind of focusing on me and uh, working on a CD. Can you get paid by Kiss still, or is it like the whole thing over? No, you I'll, can't. I'll, you don't get part of the merchandising. You're an oh, original. Oh yeah, I always get part of the merchandising. You do from now till time. Memoriam. Mem <laughs> Whatever that word is. Yeah, what, yeah. Do you, what is that word? Hey, hey <laughs> explain something to me. The whole business thing, though. Do you think Gene puts out too much Kiss stuff? Well, they have a tendency to go overboard with merchandising. Right. Is that just Gene, or does the whole band, or, you know, is Paul in on all that stuff, too? I, Paul's involved, but I, Gene's the one that kind of... Uh, He's the mastermind. So I feel like in that band, if you don't, like, do what Gene says, you get <laughs> screwed. Well, we've had our run-ins, but, you know, no hard feelings. Yeah. Did you come up with the name Kiss? No, Paul did. Paul did. I wanted to call it another four-letter word. Now, did you come up with your own <laughs> makeup? Yes. Uh, does it bother you now that somebody else is wearing it? No, because I still get checks. <laughs> oh, okay. Beautiful. Were you married now? Yeah. And I have a beautiful daughter, Monique. My you happy? You don't seem happy. You seem sad. What, are you kidding me? Yeah. I'm you one of the happiest out. guys in the world. Are you really happy? Yeah, I just didn't want to come here and talk about Kiss. Why not? What the hell else are we going to talk about? That's 30 <laughs> years of your life. I came here, to, I came here to promote a movie. Uh, well, look, I mean, come on. What are we going to say? You, you were in Kiss, bro. Yeah. This is it. This is big. Hey, Howard, you ready for this one? Ace's manager wants him to leave. What? Why? He doesn't want him talking about this stuff. About what stuff? I don't know. The Kiss stuff? Oh, it's a shame. Well, let's wow. give you a plug, at least, for your Jeez. movie. Jeez. Wow. I'd like to give you that. Ace Fraley and Remedy, now available on DVD. If I've offended anyone, I'm sorry. Chuck, good luck with everything. Ace, good luck with everything, Thank man. Thank you, Howard. Thank you. Remedythemovie.com. I'll go uh, find out what it is I did to piss off your manager. <laughs> you didn't do anything. Thank right? you, Robin. Are you comfortable? Chuck. You're quite welcome. Come on. Are you comfortable? I'm fine. I didn't stay if you the, want. The, 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 the manager says, the manager yeah, says he's upset. Yeah. He wants well, to pull him the out. The manager says I'm upset? He, that's what he just said. No. He's crazy. I'm not upset. Anyway, you I would say you could stay. I'm not going to push anybody. Um, I hope not. Right. What is it, Gary? Now what? You're right. Yeah. The, the manager says that you're here to talk about the movie, not about anything about Ace. Oh, I was interested in Ace, so but I said, okay. Well, I said, listen, I love Ace, but I'm not doing his infomercial. No, yeah, well, I mean, I love Ace, too. I'm enjoying being with Ace. But when you talk to Ace, you got to get the whole Ace package, and you talk about what he's doing, not just about the movie. That's right. Of course, we can only talk so much about the movie. It's Remedy, and we're both in it. Chuck knows. Well, you know, the whole idea is that to make Ace so intriguing, people want to see what he did in the movie. That's right. Of course. He has a bunch of fans downstairs. He got out of the car, and he's just... 
Kept doing autographs and pictures. Can Sal come in and say a quick hello, Howard? All right. Is he in full uh, makeup? Retarded as ever. All right. Let's take a look. This is Sal, one of your biggest fans. He's dressed up as you. I saw him in the bathroom. Look at him. He's wrapped in tinfoil. Why are you in tinfoil? Ace really. This is the Love Gun outfit that I put together. Right. At Dwayne Reed. You're a super fan. Yeah. Right. Ace. I got my butt kicked in by Puerto Ricans in the fourth grade by dressing like you in high, in, um, in Brentwood. I grew up in Brentwood. And you know what? From that day forward, I still dress like you. I don't care. You were worth it. You changed my whole life. I think you're incredible. Wow. Ace is the real rebel of rock and roll. Gene is, in my opinion, just a bloodsucker looking for money. <laughs> Paul is like the Ralph of the band. Leave it at that. You know. <laughs> Peter is a god-awful drummer, in my opinion. And Ace is the only guy. Ace was the only fiber of Kiss, man. He wrote Parasite. He wrote Cold Gin, which Gene hoard out the lyrics. It should have been you singing it like you do when you do it solo. Right. And instead, they just, you know, they take this guy, they, they prop him up on stage, they throw a couple of bucks down his throat, and then they throw him out, and they always badmouth him behind his back. It's bullcrap, man. Ace. You're the reason why Kiss happened. You are Kiss. What, what do you think of what he says? Do you agree? You disagree? He's entitled to his opinion, you know. <laughs> you, you see, you start smiling I'm when so he diplomatic. says these things. You know what? It, it's really hard to take a compliment from a guy dressed in tinfoil. <laughs> <laughs> when his tinfoil is falling off. All right. We're going to take a break. I want to thank Chuck Zito, the great Chuck Zito, Ace Fraley, for coming by. And uh, for more information, go to RemedyTheMovie.com. Ace, what would you think of that dude? Uh, I, I'm very flattering. Quite flattering. So, I'm always flattered when people dress up like me. <laughs> I mean, I created the character. It's a beautiful thing.